This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm good, Bryce. Uh, as always, very excited for this episode. Yes. We're talking about one of the hottest topics in the in Equity Mates community, in the in broader investing community. And in the global community, I would have to say, I know it's not cryptocurrency. AFL. I know it's not what hair gel Bryce uses. I know it's not how the Sydney Swans are going to win the flag this year. Uh, it's sustainability. Sustainability, that is right. Uh, today, we're going to perhaps show how difficult it is to invest sustainably. Well, well let's let's start on the positives. And then, uh, I mean, you, you've kind of uh, given the game away, but um, we set out for today's episode to build our own sustainability ETF. Yes, we set the, set the challenge down. <laughs> that was the challenge. That yes. was the goal. Um, yeah. because And then we did the work. <laughs> yeah. And then we tried to actually do it and uh, proved that it is very difficult to do so. Yeah. And uh, the reason we, we wanted to do this was because we've had a lot of uh, members from the Equity Mates community write in and ask um, many, many different questions about how to invest sustainably. And we always f- feel like we're directing people towards just your classic sustainability ETFs that are set up. And we thought, well, is there an opportunity for us to try and pull out a few examples of specific companies that are uh, you could deem as ESG, um, which w- you can do, you but can, when you try yeah, and yeah. Let's choose not, seventy of them, <laughs> yeah, let's not get too far down this rabbit hole because we'll we'll unpack these things as we go. Um, but yeah, we we've got some insights. Um, yeah, yeah. But let's let's start at the beginning. So um, I guess like what is why is sustainability important um, for investors? Well, I mean, it, firstly, uh, there's a value alignment, and you know, there's a you know, you want to be investing. Uh, ethically, because it's important to you, you know, if it's intrinsically, um, you know, aligned with your motivations and and your values, and uh, investing is a, a way that you can continue to to do so. Yeah, that would probably be the first overarching reason or motivation for uh, sustainably investing. Yeah, uh, there's another reason, Ren, which is that uh, capital makes a difference. Yes. Um, obviously beyond just being able to buy goods and services. <laughs> but uh, look, investors uh, can change what companies do through the way that they invest. And uh, you know, if you think about what the future supers of the world are doing and the Australian ethicals of the world and how they're utilizing the vast pools of money that they have from investors and using that to create change uh, within companies and get companies to actually think about sustainability in a, in a more active way, then um, that's also a, a positive mm. and a reason why people invest sustainably or s- like sustainable investing. Yeah. Um, and also, you can't really go past the returns. Well, if we can't go past them, you better take us through them. Well, that's the end of the episode. You can't, <laughs> you can't go past them. Um, sustainable investing has done better than the index. Yeah. 
now, of course, it depends on, on how you measure, measure this, but um, BlackRock have given some stats between 2012 and 2018. And on an annualized basis, the, the US stock market uh, has returned, what, 15.8%? Uh, yeah, so between 2012 and 2018 annualized, the in the US, sustainable, uh, the ESG index uh, matched the index. Yeah. Uh, in the world outside the US, the ESG index did 60 basis points better. So 11.1% compared to 10.5% yeah. uh, for the standard index. And then uh, in the emerging markets, it was... 130 basis points, uh, 9.1% for the ESG index uh, compared to 7.8% for the standard index. And and like you unpack that and there's a, there's a pretty clear reasons why that is the case. Companies that are more sustainable, well, you know, are in industries that are growing rather yeah. than shrinking. So like the first reason is, a, I guess, a, an industry level, um, what they're in and, and how what that trend is. Um, and then the second thing is like on a, on a micro level, like on a company level, companies that are more sustainable are generally, and this is generally, but are generally thinking more long-term. You know, they're thinking about risks and opportunities 10, 20 years down the line, how to mitigate the risks, how to take advantage of the opportunities. And given that sustainability now is front and center of every government and business's long-term planning, companies that aren't sustainable, are, it, it is somewhat an indication that they're not thinking Long term, yeah. And so it it kind of makes sense, like when you think about the reasons why that is the case, that sustainable investing does better. So, to recap, there's an intrinsic motivation. You want to invest in a way that aligns with your values. There's an extrinsic or external motivation, like capital can and does make a difference. And even as retail investors that don't don't have a lot of capital, it does make a difference. And there's so many examples of that, like the RE100, where all of these big companies around the world are committing to 100% renewables. That was born out of n- not only shareholder activism, but like shareholder activism and pushing them, pushing companies to make these commitments has been really instrumental. There's heaps of other examples of that. Um, and then thirdly, the actual returns. So um, that's why it's important. Now, mm. how do we do it? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Great question. I think firstly, you need to understand... Uh, you know, sustainability covers a lot of yeah, different, yeah, yeah. a lot of different sort of subsectors. Yeah, and uh, you can think about sustainability to you might be completely different uh, to me, to uh, you know, our friends, to anyone in the equity mates community. So, firstly, you need to, I think, consider what is, yeah, a, what is sustainable investing, and it, what what is important to you because it it, it uh, captures a lot. It's, it's relative uh, for each person, but it's also relative like over time. Um, you know, like what you care about and what you think is most sustainable changes. Like climate change is definitely number one at the moment. But I even remember when we started investing and you, you read about ESG, um, governance was governance, really important. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, like the board transparency and, uh, you know, independence and all that stuff. No one talks about governance when we talk about ESG anymore. It's... Uh, it's really been pushed to the bottom of the heap. And so, like, these things change over time, you know. Like, right now, climate change is a big one, but it wouldn't surprise me if in 15 years, water and, like, resource use was number one. Yeah. yeah. So, um, to start framing how we would attempt to build this uh, this ETF, we've reached out to you guys in the Equity Mates community and asked for feedback on what you considered to be your most important 
concepts or sectors when it comes to sustainability yeah, or, or themes, themes? Um, or things to avoid, um, both positive and negative, like in, in this poll that we put out. Yeah, and it's no surprise that uh, the number one uh, theme to emerge was climate change and renewables. Yeah. Um, so if we just go through the top 10 here, um, in order of uh, importance to the equity mates community, number one was climate change and renewables. Uh, then ethical supply chains, which I quite like. Um, labor rights, including things like fair pay. Uh, number four was uh, waste management and recycling. Then gender balance came in at number five. Uh, not involved in sin, uh, so gambling, alcohol, tobacco. Yeah, so it's definitely not an ATF for you then. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Uh, number seven was no animal testing. Number eight, circular economy. Nine, natural environment impact, uh, which is another good one. And number 10, uh, resource use, including water. So just purely from those 10 there, pretty wide array of, uh, of thematics. Pretty wide array. Uh, you know, there's environmental, there's people, there's um, uh, like, I guess, community as well. Um, but then, and, and it feels pretty comprehensive until you start to think about what isn't there. So just the next five on the list, uh, 11 through 15, um, that we've sort of left out, but, you know, like, anyway, the next five, um, no firearm sales or support for the military, data privacy, yeah. animal agriculture, corporate governance, as we said, governance not getting much of a look in these days, and then 15, which I was surprised it was so low, diversity and inclusion. So I think... Um, Obviously, all of those are important and the list was longer and like there are other important things like on that list as well. So, it's just, it's a real indication that there's so, sustainability is such a big word and, yeah. and it, um, it is really hard to to start to break down and the difficulty of breaking it down comes because I don't think you could find a company that, that ticks, even if we just take that top 10, that ticks all of those boxes. No, like, no. Like Tesla, um, climate change uh, definitely gets a tick, but has got a questionable labor rights record. Um, so then, like, you know, how do you balance those two things? Woolworths, uh, doing actually a fair bit in terms of climate change, raised $400 million in green bonds, uh, doing some things. Not as much as I was doing when I was at Coles. Coles were better, but uh, Woolworths is doing some things. Um, but then it's involved in all the sin stuff, you know, like, biggest gambling operator in Australia and or biggest poker machine operator it, yeah. in Australia, biggest liquor stores in Australia, probably sells the most tobacco in Australia. So it's like, how do you balance those things? Amazon, same, uh, committed to RE100, committed to the uh, procuring 100% renewable energy, but supply chain questions, labor rights questions, you know, union busting, all that stuff. So there's that. Even Fortescue. Mines uh, iron ore, but is also doing a lot now with hydrogen. Um, Twiggy Forest has come out pretty strongly about that. So maybe that's a tick in terms of climate change. Like hydrogen is going to be incredibly important. And we actually keep saying we should do an industry deep dive on hydrogen. So let's not forget about that. We haven't forgot about that. Um, but Fortescue is a miner. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, environment. the impact that mining has on the natural environment is you know, devastating in some cases. And, you know, we've seen what happened with Rio Tinto recently in destroying indigenous cultural sites and stuff like that. 
so yeah it's it's a tough one and i mean then when you get into the whole mining conversation it's like lithium critical for batteries that are critical for electric cars but also mining yeah it's anyway so that the 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 point the complexity is the point is yeah it's uh it 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 feels like it's really difficult to actually get a, a pure play uh sustainable investment when you're looking at these sorts of companies yeah. because there's always a trade-off and and, uh, and if people are thinking well what about like a um an electric battery maker or like a solar panel maker like surely they just get a tick well even the the uh resource use to put in the the, the way that the supply chain the way they get their resources there's some questions but then waste management a lot of them don't get ticks because there's not a lot of good recycling options for a lot of this stuff so like even if you were like forget every other company and only do like pure play renewable companies, you still there are still always questions. It's always a balancing act. So there is no doubt that uh, it is uh, a complex space. So let's keep unpacking that in a second. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. So Ren, putting this all into action. Um, what we're going to be doing is taking the five top five uh, community, I guess, uh, interests or themes um, and uh, trying to build out a bit of a, a bit of an ETF around it. But firstly, I guess we need to agree on an approach for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess that there's, two, there's two lenses that you have to put over this. The first is like the sustainability lens and then the second is the investment lens so if we start with the sustainability lens um the first question i guess is do we want to approach it with a negative screen or a positive screen or a combination of the two and in answering the question can you define the terms it's uh it's incredibly difficult to um well, firstly, the process of doing this is is hard because finding information on all of these companies is difficult. But let's start from the start. So a negative screen uh, is essentially saying that you are going to exclude all companies that fall under certain, um, I guess, activities or characteristics. For example, anyone who's in tobacco, anyone who's in gaming, anyone who's in firearms, we're going to exclude all of those companies and take the rest. Yeah. That's um that's a negative screening process and is probably more common than a positive one at the moment, given that uh, it is a lot easier just to say we're not going to include those guys and we'll take everyone else. Uh, on the flip side, you can take a positive screening approach, which is where you say we will only take companies that match these certain criteria. So we will only take companies that have uh, 50-50 gender split when it comes to the board will only take companies that are actively investing uh, profits in sustainable uh, projects whatever it may be and then um, you go out and build your portfolio around companies that meet your screen um, in a positive sense so you can see how one certainly requires a lot more work than the other and that is certainly what we found when we tried to do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there, there are other approaches like you could take best in class in each industry, which is all like a twist on the positive screen. But so negative screen is simple. Like conceptually, it's simple. It's like it's it's black and white. It's binary. Are you involved in tobacco? Yes or no. You're in or you're out. Are you involved in gambling? Yes or no. You're in or you're out. Positive screen is where it it's all those shades of grey come in and, and the weightings of different factors come in. 
you know, as we were talking about before the ad break, I mean, one example of that, let's like let, waste management, number four uh, in terms of most important factors for the equity mates community. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a company like CleanAway, uh, biggest Australian waste company probably in Australia is investing the most money in recycling infrastructure. Maybe some of the other guys are like the Suez's or the Veolia's, but CleanAway would be up there. Like they are instrumental in the shift towards a circular economy. Like we're not going to get there without the infrastructure that the waste providers are building. And yet at the same time, they own the biggest landfill in Australia. They own heaps of landfill capacity. It's still their most productive asset like the margins on landfills are great so they they rely on landfills but they're also instrumental in the transition to a circular economy big trade-off do they fit in the screen or do they fall out of the screen positive or negative well yeah well i mean like depends if you say well the negative screen we're not going to take uh anyone who's involved in landfill they'd be out yeah but if you had a positive screen and said we're going to take people who are uh, we're going to take companies that are instrumental in trying to change uh, recycling within Australia, then they'd fall within. So, so it's it's a super tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just goes to show that, and as you said, that's the, that's a classic example of. I was um, hoping you would be uh, you would you would give me your answer on yes or no. Oh, if it's to do with positive uh, screen. If it's to do with uh, what recycling and waste management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say they do fit in the screen for yeah. me. Yeah, I think... Um, and yeah. here's the, like this then becomes controversial because I actually don't think landfill is that unethical if it's done right. I think it's necessary. Yeah, well, what's the alternative? Yeah, and like... It? Yeah, and you... I mean, do you want to go down a rabbit hole? Like no. you can You can burn <laughs> waste and turn it into energy and that's what's being built in Australia at the moment. But landfills are waste to energy... The best landfills actually capture a lot of that methane emission anyway and turn it into energy and so... Landfills themselves could be classed as a waste of energy. Well, they're in. <laughs> <laughs> but they're still not great and you still lose the resource. Anyway, um, that's so that that's the difficulty. So I think if we were going to do it, we would just say negative screen for ease of... Um, I guess so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm actually going to go both. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I don't think there's a reason why you, you, have, you have to, to have one, one or, or the other. other. That's a good answer, yeah. yeah. So then the next question is... Are we talking about investing in companies that are working to directly address these problems or companies that are good in those areas or maybe companies that are not bad in those areas um, but do something else? So, like, let me make that more clear with an example. Like, if we're talking about climate change, are we talking about just companies that make renewable energy or are we talking about companies that are just doing their thing but... Low-carbon footprint. Yeah, low-carbon footprint. Like, yeah. Again, I think um, I think it would be a combination of the two. Um, okay, so yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, the example of that is you know how Beta Shares now have their climate action yeah. ETF. I haven't looked under the hood of that, but I assume that that's companies that are like directly involved in yeah. renewables and stuff like that, compared to like some of their sustainability funds, which I think are just more. Well, yeah. well, I know are more just like any company that isn't. It's a tricky one though because I would let's say for example, um, and I think gender balance is the fifth. Yeah, so let's say gender balance. You're comparing two companies. Both of them have fifty-fifty gender split yeah. on the on the board. One of them though has it sort of written in their in their uh, constitution or whatever it may be, but that that they are 
have to be 50, have to be 50 yeah. 50 or that they're working towards uh, majority women or whatever it may be the other one just by pure fluke of the way they've hired have landed on a 50 50 with no real uh, public indication yeah. that that is what saying, they're trying to are you achieve. Saying which one's better? Yeah, which one do you invest in? If at well, the end of I the think, day you're going gender balance, I think the answer is both are good. Like you don't have to choose. Yeah, they just both get a tick. Because but I know what you're saying. But let me ask another question back to you. Okay. Let's say uh, there's one company with 20% female in executive roles, and the other company has 50% females on in executive roles. So on the face of it, you say 50% is better than 20%. But what if the company with 20% is an industry that just has like next to no women in it? Like, I don't know, maybe the, the waste industry or something, although there are plenty of women there. I, I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like the average is like 5% and they're at 20%. And the company with 50% is in an industry where the average is a lot higher and they're actually below the average. Like, do you look at it on a absolute basis and just what the company's doing or do you say how they are in relation to their industry and are they, like, improving the industry and are they improving um, or are they... Is it, you know what I'm... You yeah, know, I know what you mean yeah, and yeah. there's arguments for both sides, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's... And then you can, you can apply that to, like, every single one. Like, when I was at Coles, one of our biggest numbers was uh, waste diverted from landfill. Like, that was a key sustainability metric for us. And it's like, do you look at that in isolation and compare us to like a like a, a bottler um, like Asahi who's far ahead of us and a rate uh, or like a property manager like Dexas who are far ahead of us or do you only compare us to other supermarkets because yeah. we were better than Woolies but we weren't as good as Dexas. Yeah. yeah, it's a tricky one and then you have all these companies who say they're going to be doing things by 2025 or 2030 Obviously, it takes a long time to get there, you know, if they're talking about ethical supply chains or those sorts of things like, um, you know, at what point do you get on the journey with them? Um, yeah, obviously a lot to consider here when it comes yeah, to uh, yeah. so, when it comes to building this. So, so yeah. we actually, we've asked a lot of questions. We haven't answered a lot of questions. Well, I think it's uh, pretty obvious that it's <laughs> <laughs> difficult to answer a lot of questions when it comes to... Because to then, uh, the next set of questions, let's assume that we had some solid answers on those, um, is then the investment lens. So, yes. then you actually have to put your investing hat on. Um, company specific, oh, sorry, country specific or international or like region, do we want to be taking the whole index of companies that pass a screen or do we want to be then only investing in companies that we think are like good value or have good growth potential. Um, and I guess that goes into, is it like actively managed or is it passive? Equal weighted, market cap weighted, some other weighting met methodology. How often do you rebalance? How often do you make assessments about sustainability? Do you have any other screens like, you know, debt to equity ratios, you know, sh stuff like that, uh, you're looking at me, but no, I'm, I'm, I was I'm just waiting for trailing off and letting you. I was just waiting for you to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to answer all of those questions? No, I want you to. Oh, sure. That's what I said. <laughs> Do you want me to? Yeah. So, country specific or international? I think uh, we're just going to take a global approach. I think in terms of whole index or specific companies for this exercise, uh, we just choose specific companies. I think if we take the whole index, and kind of lose out on on doing the exercise a bit. Active management or passive, we're obviously going to have to 
actively manage this one. And I, and I say that because one thing that hasn't been addressed here is you got to keep tabs on all of these companies because you know if you speak to a lot of the um, fund managers who run these sorts of funds, it's very easy for a company to change tact and then all of a sudden your original thesis for thinking they're a sustainable company changes. Mm. And uh, you're writing letters to them and saying – you know, X, Y, and Z reasons you're no longer going to be in our fund if you don't address these, uh, which a lot of them do do. Um, well, yeah, you're thinking there of Future Super. And yeah. we've like we've had Adam Verway on from Future a couple of times and like that's what they do. But I, I doubt that's what like a beta shares does with FE or FAIR. I think they would just have an indexing methodology and then maybe even get the sustainability index from someone else. I think in their situation, you're right. They'd be following an index. Yeah, well, but I don't for think they're writing to company boards and saying. No, like, no, no. But they're probably also not compiling it from scratch. They're following yeah. some other index yeah. that's yeah put together by someone else. Um, we we have been called out by beta shares before for getting something wrong around <laughs> true, leverage and ATS. True. So if they're Look, listening, we haven't done our wrong, research. <laughs> send us a letter you've sent to a board, <laughs> and we'll say that we were wrong on the show. <laughs> in terms of weighting, I like an equal weighted. I uh, love an equal weighted. Yeah, index. I, I like an equal weighted. I would weighted. like more equal weighted indexes in Australia. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, we'll go with that. And uh, in terms of rebalancing, um, we'll figure out figure that out later. Yeah, not <laughs> <important>. <laughs> so we've put it all together. We've, uh, we've we're, as we said, we're going to be taking the top sort of five uh, thematics that have come from the Equity Mates community and. Uh, We've scoured the internet to try and find uh, a number of companies uh, that fall underneath uh, our top five uh, thematics. And uh, look, this is not an exhaustive list. Uh, You may disagree with some of the companies that we put forward here. um, But for the point of this exercise, this is sort of what we've come up with. And uh, we're not going to go out and actually get 100 companies for an ETF, I don't think. Well, no, this is this is really where the exercise started to fall apart. So, <laughs> like, this is this is where the rubber hits the road and this is, this is where it gets tough. So, like, let's start. Number one was clearly climate change and renewables. And so, we started looking for... I mean, we, we just didn't have the information flow to make these assessments ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, we started looking for other people to who have made these assessments about companies doing the most to fight... Climate change, some of the most listed companies were companies like Alphabet um, or Simons. Simons, Siemens, Siemens, yeah. yeah. Um, Or we found rankers that look at things like scope one and scope two emissions, which are basically companies have to report three different scopes of emissions. Um, And companies like Microsoft and Apple were coming out on top. So... I was surprised that the companies listed there weren't like, you know, First Solar, Tesla, like those kind of companies. Um, and it was just big tech. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. That is the issue with relying on these rankers, I guess. And uh, like how are you, how you going to get into the nuts and bolts of what Alphabet are really doing behind the scenes? You're going to have to go in and find their annual reports. You're going to have to... I'm sure they've got well, a climate policy. No, no. They, most companies will write a sustainability report, but that isn't enough to then do like an apples to apples comparison. Yeah, exactly. Like again, I, and I don't want to just keep talking about my time, but like this is what we did. Like we would take... We would write our sustainability report and then we would read the Woolies one when it came out and try and compare, but like different stats or like incomplete data sets more from Woolies and Coles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like you try and 
you try and do a comparison, but even just comparing a company that you work in and your closest competitor is difficult. It can be done, but it's difficult. But like just relying on public information to make a comparison of every company. Well, that's the is, thing. Yeah. It's it's all well and good to read one and you're like, sweet, well, they're doing something in this space because yeah. they've released a sustainability report. you got to go and read 100 to then actually find where Alphabet sits on the scale. Yeah, and it's like... Um, <laughs> How do you how do you compare someone building a massive solar farm in Wagga and doing a power purchase agreement with someone else putting solar panels on you know a hundred of their stores? Is it just like a most megawatts game? wins, yeah, or exactly. is it like a most dollars how invested many people wins? Have they employed? Is it and so it's like it's all these questions then become a. Uh, uh, how do you weigh up different different things? Yeah. So anyway, like that's climate change. Yep, that's climate change. As as people will be hearing that, this is where we really fell apart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So we then moved on to ethical supply chains, and the two that have kind of popped up on a number of the a number of the rankings is uh, Keurig, Dr Pepper. Yep. Interesting. And Starbucks. Now, um, I'm not. Yeah, Starbucks is is. Um, is one that kind of keeps popping up in a, a lot of charts and, and uh, lists when it comes to ESG. Um, but yeah, those are the two main ones that popped up for ethical supply chain. Um, then we moved on to labor rights, including... Sorry, just on ethical supply chain though, like, again, it's like, I, I don't believe it. Like, a company with a domestic supply chain would have better supply chains than these companies. Well, I mean... Anyway, let's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, labor rights, uh, we had... And this this confused me. So, NVIDIA, the chip maker, and then Apple. And Apple has had a history of being criticized for labor rights. Sweatshops. And yet, it was sitting at the top of a lot of these lists. Yeah. And Maybe they've made drastic improvements. But, like, some of the stories back in the day weren't great. But do you exclude someone from the list from what it was to what it is now? No, no of course not. But yeah. like, if they've improved, that's kudos to them. Well, I'm sure they haven't just gone. Yeah, we'll take this feedback on board. And <laughs> I look, I, I when I read that, I remained very skeptical. <laughs> but anyway, so um, Nvidia. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, as you can see, my. Uh, dissatisfaction with the exercise was growing by the minute at this point <laughs> uh then we had waste management and recycling and you know uh, asahi is uh, a big player in this space uh they're aligning themselves in the recycling space asahi are building a like a 45 million dollar uh, pet which is like the plastic yeah, on, yeah. like plastic bottles uh recycling plant in albury wodonga with uh Packed group and clean away. Nice. Um, and they're yeah, so they're they're doing something good. Um, obviously we've had the discussion around clean away. Uh, Accenture and Intel obviously uh, both also appeared on some lists, but um, we're about to get to my big takeaway from all of these lists. <laughs> but let's let's hit the last one quickly. And then uh, the last, the fifth one was gender balance. Um, look. Frankly speaking, the ASX 300 is not great in this area. Shocking. Yeah, really, really bad when it comes to uh, gender equality, particularly for uh, management roles and boards. I think there's an average of 30% women on ASX boards, so we had to take 
a closer look overseas and some of the the uh, companies that are doing very well in this area. Obviously, Bumble, you would expect 70% of the board are female, 50-50 split for their C-suite. Pinterest um, have an almost 50-50 split of uh, total employees. Um, Salesforce is obviously well known for the, uh, the work that it's doing in this space. So uh, a bit easier to find information on some of these companies, but uh, Australia, get your act together. Yeah, I remember we, we interviewed Susan Oliver who sits on a couple of boards in Australia, I reckon probably three years ago yeah. now. And even then she was lamenting the state of it. And I think looking at the numbers, it's got worse since. It has. 2020 there. got worse. Yeah. 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 Uh, there were f- fewer board hires um, than the last previous five years or something like that. Mm. And uh, it's, yeah, it's gone backwards. Yeah. Anyway, so look, uh, the key message to all of this is- uh, Well, no- Effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, in our notes, uh, at this point, we wrote effort, like F, yeah, yeah. Not effort, the exertion, yeah, effort. but effort. Uh, this is getting too hard. <laughs> and so... Uh, Calling the experts. To put, to put together our... Um, because we said we we're going to put together an ETF. So, this is... These are our uh, two options at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, um, an ASX 200 ETF. That excludes tobacco, gambling, and mining. Massive cop out. <laughs> <laughs> Massive cop out. Or uh, option two, uh, behind door number two, a fund of funds where we start an ETF that holds um, a couple of ethical ETFs, and those guys do the work. <laughs> I think we po- I think we take a positive screen fund of funds. Oh, so, so we screen out some of the <laughs> environmental ETFs that we don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, just to give uh, Equity Mates <laughs> listeners some value from this episode, <laughs> um, I've got a list of all the actual funds that they can invest in in Australia. Should sure. I rip through them? Yeah. Uh, so, IMPQ invests Future Impact Small Caps, uh, yeah. which is managed... FAIR, BetaShares Australian Sustainability Leaders ETF, uh, GRNV, VanX, Sustainable Equity ETF, uh, INES, Intelligent Investors, Ethical Shares, that's managed, um, RARI, Russell Australia, Responsible Investments, ESGI, VanX, International Sustainability Equity ETF, FE, ETHI, BetaShares, International Sustainability Leaders, ETF, VESG, Vanguards, International <laughs> Sustainability, ETF. Uh, and then there's a couple of bond ones, but we don't care about bonds. So We don't care. The cheapest yeah. of all of them is the uh, Vanguard Ethically Conscious International Shares, ETF, VESG. No surprises there. Um, so, look, there's plenty to choose from on the ASX when it comes to wanting to invest sustainably and ethically. And I'm going to say, sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to say our fund of fund holds the three international ones. Vanguard, BetaShares, VanEck, their international sustainability funds. Call it a day, done. <laughs> <laughs> done. So, that's how you do it. That is how you uh, create an ETF. No, but look, Ren... It was an incredibly uh, interesting process for us to go through and uh, there is no doubt that it is uh, it is still difficult, I think, for the, re- the average retail investor yeah. to make decisions um, when it comes to wanting to invest ethically in direct companies and not have to go through 
ETFs, which at the end of the day probably go through the same challenges that we just went through. Yeah, in, uh, or they in, just follow an index. Or they, or exactly, or they just follow an index. So there's plenty of work to be done in this space, and uh, we've got a few ideas that we're not going to mention on the show no, from no. a business point of view. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I've got a couple of takeaways before we wrap it, though. Um, my first takeaway is. Don't don't forget your super when you're thinking about ethical investing because you know as Bryce was talking about earlier you know we spoke we've spoken to Future Super a couple of times and um, Adam from Future has spoken about how they are actually active in trying to make companies do something so your cap your capital can make a difference investor capital is making a difference in this push for a more sustainable world I guess. Um, you can see a lot of the big institutions like BlackRock who have close to $10 trillion in assets under management throwing their weight behind sustainability and moving the needle. Um, the best way that you can have your capital play a part in that is super. So I think that that's my first takeaway. My second somewhat less serious takeaway is it's really easy to be uh, good on a lot of these metrics when you have 70% free cash flow margins and you're a software business yeah. with massive scale. Like the amount of these lists where big technology companies, usually US-based, that just enjoy super profits and somewhat of a monopoly in whatever the area they operate in was um, startling. Yeah, Microsoft seems to top a lot of lists. Um, Apple did some, but Alphabet was on the top of a lot. Amazon, when, when you have free cash flow coming out your ears, it's... Uh, it's a bit easier to be sustainable, I think. Yeah, and it's no well, as you said, it's no surprise a lot of them feature on many of the screeners and lists that uh, that come up when yeah. you're looking in this space. And so, I think a question that I have, and that we obviously don't have to unpack in this episode, as I see you looking at me frustrated because you want to just wrap, <laughs> is as the world gets tighter on a lot of these sustainability standards, like how do we start? holding companies that aren't in that super profits um, position accountable and how do we have like a relative standard or do we have a relative standard where we say, you know, it's easy for uh, Alphabet to um, do some of these things or Apple with $200 billion on their balance sheet, but how do you how do you get other companies yeah, how that, do you don't, that them? don't have that capital to invest yeah. to, to do at least their bit or how do you create structures that, you know, that the big tech companies with the resources are incentivized and rewarded for doing more than their yeah. fair share. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's an interesting space to watch. Obviously, it's, as we said at the start, it's done better from uh, uh, the last few years um, compared to the index. The trends in that space are only going to accelerate. We did an Ausbiz episode on it last week where we talked about investing in sustainability and what's changed under Joe Biden. Um, and so there's a lot of momentum going into 2020. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting space to invest in. We're not going to be releasing a sustainable uh, ETF anytime soon, but I'm definitely investing and watching in the space. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> well, that brings us to the end of uh, Equity Mates for this week. Big news though, uh, we are launching You're in Good Company Tomorrow, if you do happen to be listening to this on Monday the 22nd when this episode was launched, um, if you have listened to it after that date, then uh, You're in Good Company will have already launched, but make sure you head over and subscribe. It's the latest podcast in the Equity Mates Media uh, stable of podcasts uh, hosted by Sophie and Maddie, uh, two uh, amazing uh, women down in Melbourne who are trying to improve the conversation 
uh, amongst uh, their friends and also uh, women more broadly when it comes to investing. They were sick of uh, of hearing about uh, stocks and investing through forwarded WhatsApp messages from their partners and and uh, boys in their group. So uh, head o- head over and give them a follow. They're going to be doing some amazing work. But uh, Ren, uh, that's it for this week. Yeah. Um, next week we have. Uh, crypto week, crypto which week. Uh, look, we've taken your feedback on board. There's a lot of you in the community who want to do some crypto. Uh, hear some stuff about crypto. So we're doing one week and one week only, and then we'll be back into equities. Um, but look, it's probably worth touching on, which is why we've got a, a few episodes planned for next week. With yeah, and that that was probably the biggest feedback. Well, not the biggest feedback, but uh, one of the biggest requests in the listener survey was to do a crypto week or to do some crypto content. So we're doing a week. Uh, that survey is still open for another week or so. Um, we're obviously reading the feedback. We're obviously listening. We're going to do a week on something that was requested. Um, so if you have any requests, if you have any thoughts, if you want to you know, give us some personal feedback, um, then uh, jump onto the survey. Nice. All right. Well, we'll leave it there and uh, we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 